awesome. Happy Independence Day to all of us. 57 years of independence and more than 2,000 years of freedom in Christ. Wow, this is such a great day to celebrate. What an adventure, hey? Yes! Welcome in the house. Out of mouth and babes of infants, you have ordained peace. So, good. We are in our adventure series. Hey, life is an adventure. It is up and down, and sometimes it is both at the same time. And I don't know where you are at. You're probably, yeah, we probably have all stages represented, but it is adventurous. And we want to overcome. So today I want to speak on ways of an overcomer. Because the fact is that champions are always looking for an opportunity to overcome. Champions look at the mountain and they say, wow, I've got an opportunity. Champions look at their finances and when the bank is calling, say, God, we have an opportunity for you to move like never before. Mary just says, "There's there's an opportunity for God to restore. So champions are always looking for an opportunity to overcome. And therefore, I want us to look in today, what are some of those ways to overcome what we're going through? And I'm going to look at three different battles, and maybe one of them is similar to what you're going through. Maybe all of them apply. But I just pray today that we'll stir up faith in our hearts. We'll stir up new hope to say, yes, I'm saying yes to the journey. I'm saying yes to the adventure, and I will overcome because he who lives in me is greater. One of the adventures as a child, I grew up in a very small church. It was on the countryside, and thus we had a very small kids' church, just a few number of children, but it was good. Annually, there would be a football, indoor football tournament for all the kids' clubs, kids' churches within our network. So the larger um, churches, they would, you know, put forth their best players and put in strategy and really plan for this. And there were some children who were already well into football, so they put up some strong teams. Four players were required on the field and hopefully a few to replace. In our church... It was not about putting forth the best players. It was about, do we have four players to make a team? So there would often be one taller one who at least had an idea of football. Then we had a handicapped girl. She couldn't really run, but she was stationed on the field. Then there was me. You can hear just the way I'm talking about football. I have no clue. But I loved running after that ball and see if I could kick it once or twice. And then a fourth player. Thankfully, it was before YouTube and Facebook, so I'm not going to show you any clips. We lost it all every year. <laughs> but champions are always looking for a way to overcome. For, for weeks before, we would make banners. We would create cheering songs. And on the day, we would have face paint, and we would shout and cheer from the top of our lungs. And, you know, you come home, and you completely lost your voice. But... We won the medal for best cheering every year. <laughs> and you know what? Life, in life, we don't always have the best players on the team. We don't always have the best cards on the hand. But hey, champions are looking for, ways, for opportunities to overcome. And the first battle we're looking into is actually a bit of a cheering battle. It is found in Exodus chapter 17. This is before the promised land. The Israelites are still walking in the desert. 
And this is the first time Joshua is introduced to us as the fighter of the army. So the Amalekites have come. They have attacked the Israelites in a very naughty way. And here comes Moses' strategy on how they're going to win the battle. Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. Choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow, I, that is Moses, will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. This battle would be one Joshua in the heat of the battle, Moses standing on the hill interceding for the battle. And both of them were equally important to win this battle, and both of them are credited for it. We read that Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of his sword. What happened on the battlefield, what Joshua and his men did, was important to the battle. But we also read that when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed, and when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. So both of them were important to win this strategy. And I want to focus a bit on Moses here. Because Moses lifted hands, that was a posture of prayer. We read that they say, I will lift my hands towards the altar. So you can come similar to in some places they would say, let's all fold our hands. This was, let's all lift our hands and pray. So Moses, he was interceding and the battle depended on it. And after a little while, his hands became tired or heavy. Moses got tired in prayer. Not bored, but tired. Which reminds me about what Paul said about one of his colleagues. In Colossians 4, verse 12, Paul speaks about the ministry of Epaphras. And he says, Epaphras who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sent greeting. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. He is always wrestling for you in prayer. King James Version says, he is fervently laboring for you in prayer. And I've been meditating on this. What does it look like to wrestle in prayer? To labor fervently, it surely looks beyond what often happens in my prayer time. Because it is more than bringing a list. I'm speaking to myself. Lord, here's my list for today. Amen. I brought it to you and you'll take care of it. There's something beyond. We wrestle in prayer until the burden lifts. And we continue to do it until we see victory. Wrestling prayer doesn't give up until God breaks through. Did you hear that? Wrestling prayer doesn't give in before God comes through. Amen? See, it is also called, Bible also is called about being devoted in prayer. And this thing of wrestling in prayer, our victory depends on it. It was not just Joshua fighting with his sword. Moses' intercession played an important role in the victory. And I feel here, church, I want to challenge us today. Because this is the word of God. It talks about wrestling in prayer. And I feel we have a gap to fill. 
Some of us feel challenged, oh, we're praying. Yes, we're definitely praying, but we're not just praying. We are wrestling until we see God come through. We're wrestling for our lives. We are wrestling for our church. We are wrestling for our communities. We are wrestling for this nation because we want to see God come through. We want to see souls be one for him. We want to see the kingdom grow. And God, children, it's not enough to fight the battle. It is to wrestle in prayer until we see him come through. And so you can imagine Moses' hands became heavy and tired. And Aaron and her came alongside Moses and literally held his hands in prayer. They partnered with him in intercession. And with them by his side, he was managing to hold up his hands until the battle was won. And we need each other in prayer. We need to wrestle together in prayer, because there are times where our hands grow weary, and we need someone to come in and stand with and say, I am fighting with you. I am laboring with you in prayer until we see the answer coming through. And, and the, Paul's Colossians 4 is written in the early church. And I don't know, when I read the letters in the New Testament or read Acts, this was a church that was heavily persecuted. They were scattered over a large geographical area. There were no Zoom meeting and WhatsApp groups, but there's just a sense of prayer. They really, there was a brotherhood. There was a sisterhood. I'm writing you this letter. You might only read it in two years' time, but until then, I'm wrestling with you in prayer. I'm laboring with you. I'm devoted to see your victory. Ah, oh, could we have a fresh wave of that, of people who are wrestling with one another? There was one who really demonstrated this for me was, or is, Chioma. Chioma and her family are now in Europe, but they used to be part of our church. And the last half year, um, the Lord brought us together for a special journey. We walked a difficult time together. Um, and in the beginning, she was like, Melina, you need to pray. You need to be in the Word. And I was like, Yes. You know that thing? I know. Why are you? I am. I am reading. I am praying. No, you need to pray. You need to pray. And I was like, Spirit, what are you trying to say? And the more, because you realize the more you pray, the more you pray. And it starts to become, it's not, yes, I've ticked off the list, but my life depends on it. And when she says, you need to read your Bible, it's not, oh, read your Bibles. No, it's because your life depends on it. Life flows from this book. And if I'm not full of it, I'm not going to be an overcomer. And I would call, I've called Chioma at 7 o'clock in the morning. I've called her late at night. And all I needed to say was, Chioma, we need to pray. And she's a girl. She's, it says we pray without ceasing. She does that. So it's not like, oh, let me. No, she's just on the phone. She's ready. Oh, and she would just pray. My life have, has been saved because of someone who stood with me and wrestled with me and lifted my spirit and hold my hands so that I, again, could believe that I could overcome. Church, we need to have such a brotherhood and sisterhood where we are wrestling together. So the first battle is won by wrestling in prayer. The second battle we're going to look into is the battle for Canaan. No, sorry, <laughs> that was a big battle. For Jericho. Jericho was the first city they had to enter or conquer when they entered the promised land. And listen to these instructions, the strategy on how to take down Jericho. Joshua chapter 6, verse 2 to 5. 
See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go around the city once. This you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets, and it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down, and the people shall go out, every man straight before him. <laughs> what a military strategy. <laughs> Probably the most unlikely military strategy ever recorded in history. So what are we to do? Walk. Keep quiet. What's the walls for? Really? I call it walk by faith because I think that was what it was. And because this, this strategy was based on a promise. God said, I have given you the victory. What I want you to do is to walk until you see the fulfillment. Oh. Did you hear that? I have given you the victory. This is not Old Testament. Jesus has given us the victory. He has already given us the promised land. We're just to walk and sometimes keep quiet until we see him come through. We talked about this in our office on Thursday. What does it mean for a leader to receive such a strategy? One thing is for yourself, but this is foolishness. And he receives instructions of foolishness that he has to carry out to the entire people. I believe this is a story we just need to remember before that. Just before this instruction is given in chapter 5. Just where he's watching the walls of Jericho. And there is a man standing with a sword in his hand. And he says, who are you? Are you for us or are you against us? And he says, no, but I am the commander of the Lord's army, and I have now come. And Joshua says, tell me, what must I do? And I'm sure here, because he's looking for Jericho, please give me a strategy. Tell me how to take it down. And he says, just take off your shoes, for this is holy ground. Very similar situation to Moses and the burning bush. Joshua had an encounter with the holiness of God here. It was about worship. He fell on his knees and worshipped him. And there was a, I was like, what is this part doing to the story? But the more I think about it, I think that encounter, that time in the presence of God was needed for Joshua to receive this absolutely foolish strategy to walk by faith. So back to the story. Joshua was assured of the victory. Moses, God said, I have given you the victory. And now he has to pass it on to the people. And notice, he leaves out a little detail that, to me, would be very important. In, we read chapter 6, verse 10. Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout, then you shall shout. Did you notice the difference? There was no time frame. So he's basically saying, imagine the situation. We have the massive walls 
right in front of us. And Joshua is just saying, you have too much. Just start walking. But Joshua, please tell us how long. Just walk until I say shout. But Joshua, six days has passed. I know. Just walk and those walls are going to fall. But Joshua, there's not even a crack in that wall. Do you hear anything? We are on now day seven. We have walked six rounds around this city. Yes, I know. Just walk by faith. Just keep quiet. The Lord is going to come through. That's the situation. But there were two things more important to the walk. The Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant, some of you might remember this from our series on the tabernacle. The Ark of the Covenant was the throne of God among the people. The very presence of God. That was not normally taken into the battlefield. We'll read about that later. That did not go very well. But in this case, God says, bring the ark, bring the throne, bring my presence to walk before you. So when you're walking around the walls, you're not looking at the walls, you're looking at my presence. You're looking at my throne. And the very presence of God literally prepared the way for victory. That was the eyes. Now there was a sound. It's not clear from the first instructions, but in chapter 6, verse 14, the armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord, while the trumpets kept sounding. So the priests were blowing trumpets as they were walking. See, trumpets made out of ram's horn. I know... Or a shofar, these long, have you ever seen that? Like a very impressive sound. It's really a clear signal. And it was used in military battles. When that signal was heard, they would gather to go into war. They would gather to remember the Lord before they went into war. But they would also remember that the Lord was fighting for them. They would remember God's promises to them. So this sound was a military signal to remember the Lord, remember his promises. It was also a spiritual sound. When there was spiritual feast, when they were gathered for prayer, they would hear the sound of the shofar, and they would come together. And it would be, again, a signal of his presence, a signal of his promise. We read about it in Revelation. that This was even the sound of God. And when, in, by the end of the days, we're going to hear them again as Jesus is coming back. So the, these trumpets carried tremendous spiritual significance. And they also carried a great military significance. This was the doom of Jericho. So back to the situation. As they were walking... They were looking at the presence. They were following the ark. They were following the throne. And they heard a sound because faith comes by hearing. They had to shut up so they could listen to the sound. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. I have given you every place on which the sole of your foot trades. 
And this was a walk of faith. Hebrews 11 tells us that the walls of Jericho went down by faith. And this strategy was not a military strategy. It was a strategy to build their faith. And I think they were told to be quiet so they couldn't speak out their fears and, and doubts and concerns. Can you hear it? Are you sure? Do you like this leader? Are you sure he heard from God? I have, could you imagine how that could be a while? They just kept quiet. Look to the presence. Listen to the promise. And as you walk this journey of faith, something starts to rise on the inside of you because your own doubts and concerns are being quiet by the voice of the promise and the presence. That is the way of an overcomer. Reminding them that the Lord was fighting for them. Zambia has, if not the largest, one of the largest migration of fruit bats just around this time of year. They like to be somewhere in Kensenshi. Sam has just painted the wall. We should all go and see it. <laughs> We're just waiting for the bats to come. And they also pass by Kasanka National Park. So once we went there, we thought, we're going to see this. Millions of bats going to fill the sky. It's going to be an amazing view. So we went to Kasanka. It's quite a drive. I went up to the reception. So, hi, we're here to see the bats. Please tell me where and when. On that spot, 1810. 1810. Yes, 1810 at that spot. I was like, that's a bit weird. We're talking about animals here. I'm sure they do not know time, but Sampian time will come early and we'll see. 18. Clear blue sky, beautiful place, no bats. 1805, you know, if there was just a few bats, I would be happy. 1809, was this really worth the trip? Or this just clear blue sky, there's not one bat, and you start to think, okay, this mighty wonder of the world, 1810. It was like a cannonball. Pooh! And Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of bats filled the sky. And I don't, still to this day, do not know how that actually works. But it happened on the clock. And I thought, you know what? Whatever we are standing in faith for, there's not always a signal that you're getting closer. There's not a crack in the wall that tells you, just hang in a little longer. You know, you might stand 1809, and you might be just a minute away from your breakthrough. But signal is not given. The only thing we are taught is to walk by faith. Until I say shout. So, maybe just close your eyes for a moment. I'll take the next ones. Just close your eyes for a moment. I don't know what wall you stand in front of. But could we fix our eyes on the presence and listen to the sound of the trumpet that says, for we, through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. Second Corinthians, but thanks be to God who always, always leads us in his, as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. Hebrews 10, let us hold unswearingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And First John, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. That's the sound of the promise. And Matthew, if you could give me the worship video. I just want us to take a few minutes.
before the walls, walking around them. As we start to say, this battle is not going to be won by looking at the wall, by looking at the presence and listening to the sound. So you can bring it up, Matthew. And if you know the song, you can sing. Otherwise, you can let the words sing over you and build your faith. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. And what happens as we wrestle in prayer, as we stand together in prayer, as we walk this journey of faith together, something rises on the inside of us. And I pray this morning that you feel it rising on the inside of you. Because at some point, you need to shout. And I think if, they, if the people had been asked to shout in the beginning, it would have been, Lord, save me! And that's okay, they're desperate, desperate times where that is our cry. But here, they had been walking by faith. They'd been wrestling in prayer long enough that when Joshua said, shout, it was a shout of victory. It was a shout that the king is among us. And by that shout, the walls fell down. The last battle before we close. So wrestle in prayer, walk by faith. And the last one, five kings had gathered the troops, taken up the positions, and attacked Gibeon. It was one of the cities that the Israelites had made a peace treaty with. So Joshua had to go and fight. There was not a lot of time, but he saw the Lord, and the Lord says in Joshua 10, verse 8, And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man shall stand before you. Where the other one was a little bit complicated, this one is very simple. Win the battle. I am with you. Just go and win the battle. And that reminds me of a scripture in Philippians, chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. That's how I feel today. All three applies to me. I, have, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, I forget what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on, to, on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. One day there's going to be a prize. One day we're going to meet our Savior face to face. And I want to win that prize. And that's the last strategy. Win the prize. Do whatever it takes. He has already won it for us. But we need to stand victorious and win the prize. Don't give up. Win the prize. So Joshua did. He marched up against them. He did what he was good at, blood slaughtering. Thank God that not all these scenes have been into Hollywood movies. I am not sure I wanted to watch. This was killing and slaughtering and bloodshed. And in the middle of that I think he basically ran out of time. The victory was so great that I, I don't have time enough to kill all of them. And he prayed the boldest prayer ever recorded. The writer takes note. There was this, something special about this. Because in the front of everyone, not in his quiet prayer room, boldly, sun and moon stand still. 
and the Lord heard his prayer. To win the prize, to win the battle, sometimes we need to take a bold move. Say, I am equipped, I am called, I have Jesus, the victorious one, living on the inside of me. And now he says, move. Move to win the prize. And we do everything we need to do on our way, and that requires bold prayers. And Mike Batterson says, bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. An overcomer needs to win the battle. And that's not to put pressure on you, because he has already won it. But sometimes we need to make a bold move of faith. Pray a bold prayer so loud that we're going to look foolish unless he comes through. But God honors bold prayers. Proverbs says that the wicked flees, though no one pursues them. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. And this morning, could we have the music worship us up? Because I want us to do that shout this morning. That boldness of victory, saying our God is on our side. And we're going to have a roar of faith together this morning. And for some of you in here, the boldest move one can ever make in life is to say yes to Jesus. It cost you everything, but he gave you everything. And life to its full, the adventure to the most is found in that decision. So could we close our eyes for a moment? And if that is you, you say, yes, I need today to make a bold decision to invite Jesus into my life for the first time. Or maybe you walked away from him. And today you say, I need to come back to the house. The Father is waiting for you. So if that is you, we're going to pray all of us together. But I just want to see your hand. Make a bold move to say, yes, that is me. I need to make a bold decision today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We'll pray together. I'm going to give you one more moment. If that is you, thank you over there. Thank you making some bold decisions today. Yes, yes. Could you all church pray after me and say, Jesus, today I make a bold move to make you my Lord and Savior, to follow you for the rest of my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for me, for cleansing my sin, for making me righteous. Thank you for being my friend and my father. I receive you. Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning. We honor you. We bless your name. We thank you that faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by your word. And this morning, your word has encouraged us to stir up faith, to overcome, to win the victory, the battle you have already won for us. And we thank you, Lord. Thank you, this walk we never do alone. But your presence, your promise, I will go with you, keeps us going. Will you draw near this morning? Strengthen the hands. Will you also strengthen the bond of sisterhood and brotherhood in the house, Lord? 
draw us closer together in prayer. That we will be those Aaron's and hers who come alongside and lift the weary hands. Thank you that there's so much more victory you have ahead of us. And we want to be bold as a lion. Thank you, Father. Psalm 20. May the Lord answer you when you're in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. May he remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. Can you stop there? May he give you the desires of your heart and make all your plans succeed. Now comes our part. May we shout for joy over your victory and lift up our banners in the name of our God. May the Lord grant all your requests. The Lord gives victory to his anointed. He answers him from his heavenly sanctuary with the victorious power of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we, open church this morning, we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. Lord, give victory to the king. Answer us when we call.